It's the Asian Boxing Podcast. Scott and Colin, AsianBoxing.info. You know where to find us. Videos, news, updates. It's all there. AsianBoxing.info. Scott, a lot to get to this past weekend. Before we get to the Golovkin card, let's talk about an excellent win for a Korean. Induct Sale taking out the best, but he was second best that night. Tyson Best with a KO in the first round. Yeah, yeah, that was that's the uh, the perfect way to kick off the weekend, wasn't it? Um, best, best looked really good. Um, he looked really, really, really talented, really sharp, accurate puncher, but he never hurt Seo. And Seo, unfortunately for Best, had the power. Uh, he dropped him and then knocked him out with one of the best KOs of the year. It sent Best hurling headfirst towards the canvas. No pun intended there. Brutal knockout. Yeah, that's what's cool about these smaller, under-the-radar cards. Obviously, you're following all of them, but some of the best knockouts come from these cards that not everyone's watching. Certainly, it seems like perhaps about like this year, which looked competitive on paper, it do give us some of the more exciting fights. They're so much more exciting than watching the mismatches that we're seeing time and time again on British TV. Um, yeah, you hear that, Sky Sports? You hear that? Yes, that put out some good matches, Sky. This was fun. <laughs> it was fun. It ended in brutal fashion. Sayo shocked the Australians who seemed to be thinking that Best was really a special talent. Yeah, it was It was in Australia, too. Am, am I right about that? It was. It was Sayo's first bout, I believe, outside of Asia. He's fought his entire career so far in Korea, so this is a great international debut for him. Welterweight, definitely not a weight that you see a lot of Asians succeeding in. Induct Seo, does uh, he have a chance for a possible domestic title? He has actually won the South Korean welterweight title last year, but I think it's more likely that he'll be heading towards the OPBF title. It seems likely that he's going to not remain at domestic level going forward. He's got this really big win. He, uh, he doesn't need the Korean scene anymore. There's better fights out there for him. He's going to move on and upward, and he has a pretty cool name. Induct Seo. It just rolls off the tongue. So that's uh, someone to keep an eye on, someone to remember. Gennady Golovkin was back in action. Before we get to him and his performance, um, he had some Kazakh brothers do some damage as well on the undercard and uh, also on the, the main event card as well. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Ali Akhmedov, um, I believe actually he's a training buddy of Golovkin, Sean, he absolutely dismantled Marcus McDaniel, improved to 15-0, claimed a international silver title, and he's moving on and upwards. He is such an exciting prospect. Hard to say how far he can go, but he he's young, he's very hard-hitting, very promising. Unfortunately, the same can't be said for Bakhtia Ayabov, who's a bit of a veteran and was completely outclassed by Brian Sabalo. He gave a good effort, but his effort was second best throughout. Yeah, I almost felt bad for him because that's how badly he was getting outboxed. But I love the effort that he gave because sometimes you'll see guys quit and you'll see guys just throw in the towel or just get on their bike and try to survive. No, dude was going for it the whole time. It's what you get with some of these Kazakhs is they don't want to look bad. Whether well, they're going to win or lose, they're going to go out and fight. They're going to try and win. They're going to try and make a mark. Yeah, hey, I'm He's okay just... with that. It's boxing. 
not running. So much more exciting to watch. These are the sort of fighters that we should be putting on TV time and time again. Just unfortunately, he was too crude to make the most of his effort. Sabalo is impressive. He looks like he's going to go very, very far. Uh, it's, his ceiling is absolutely huge, and hopefully we see him in bigger and better tests in the near future. And then finally, we got to see probably the most promising of those three prospects, Madrimov with a TKO over Gonzalez. Yeah, yeah. Madrimov, Uzbekistan boxing's on the rise, and Madrimov is probably the star of the rising Uzbek scene other than Murajan Akhmedaliev. Madrimov is one of the very few fighters I believe he could have put in a world title fight from his debut. He'd been competitive, and from what we've seen of him through his first three professional bouts, he doesn't need to face gatekeepers. He doesn't need any more uh, stay busy bouts. Just put him in there with a top contender. Let him sink or swim. He'll he'll swim the way we've seen. What I was actually surprised about is two of the judges somehow managed to give Gonzalez a round. Yeah, that was being very generous. But I love the way he boxes, switch hitter as well. Probably one of the better switch hitters out there in the game right now. It just makes you so difficult. And he has punching power in both hands. He does. He also has skills. I think a lot of people who watch him and perhaps going, oh, he didn't throw the jab often enough. Oh, he's a bit wild. He is such a good amateur. He knows how to jab. He knows how to set punches up. He just perhaps wants to put on a show. He doesn't want to bore fans. He wants to make an impression and perhaps neglects things as a result of his desire to shine. Angles, too. I think that's what's most impressive. Some of the angles that he gets are phenomenal, and uh, that's how he's able to just pick guys apart. They don't know where he's coming from. Finding holes that fighters didn't even realize they were leaving. It's yeah, You're watching the guy in... There's very few fighters you can really compare him to. Usyk, perhaps one of them. Lomachenko, again, finds angles. It's, the footwork's similar in some ways. Seeing him do it at 154 pounds this early in his career is so impressive. Yeah, three fights in, and he, he looks like he's well on his way to a world title. Now, moving on to Gennady Golovkin against Steve Rolls. What I made of the performance is, yes, he still has power, but... He slowed down possibly a little. It's going to be interesting because obviously they're going to make Canelo Golovkin three. I don't know how much he has left, though, to take on Canelo. He's old. He's getting on. He still has power. He still has skills. But there is certainly, as you mentioned, a bit of age in there. I thought Steve Rawls put a really good effort in fairness. I think Rawls showed, uh, showed no fear of Golovkin. Came to fight. You can't fault Rawls, but... Golovkin's power is still, still brutal. And the one good thing about Golovkin, he'll be able to take a punch from Canelo. He just has that iron chin. The question is, is he going to be able to touch Canelo? Because what we saw with Danny Jacobs and Canelo, uh, that was, to me, even a more improved Alvarez over the last two Golovkin bouts. I'm still interested, though, to see a third fight. I, I think it's going to make a lot of money. And the first two were really competitive. I'd love to see a third one. You just mentioned Glockin's chin. Uh, I'm not sure whether or not Glockin wants to take significantly more shots. If he's slowing down, his defense has never been a strong point. He takes a shot so well, but with Canelo getting better and Glockin getting worse, he's going to take a lot of shots in a third bout. That would probably be um, 
probably be the final one uh, of his career, I'd imagine. So hopefully he's made bank. I want to see him get one dub, to be quite honest, because he had one taken away from him. The second one was also very close, and that was a loss. So it would be nice to get a win under his belt, although I don't know how realistic that is. But you have to give credit to Golovkin. He's going for it. I would have loved to see him fight Andrade first and then unify all the titles with Canelo in that big matchup that they're going to make. Who knows? That might still happen. But as long as Golovkin Alvarez gets made either in, in the fall or early next year, it still should be a pretty competitive match. You just kind of feel like the longer it takes, the less competitive it gets, the better Canelo gets, the more Golovkin's age takes over. You can see them holding out until next May, potentially. Hopefully not, but you can see Golden Boy and perhaps Canelo wanting to make the most of it in May. And if that happens, I think you're right. I think that's uh, Triple G's last fight. If it's in September, maybe he uh, maybe he fits into the one just to retire on a win. He's had a good career, so we can't, we can't complain <laughs> about that. I mean, Triple G, he's done it for uh, the people of... Kazakhstan and represented well. ESPN 5 had a Filipino card, and this card was stacked with young talent. You go through it, and I think there's sort of four or five top, top Filipino prospects on it. Rolando Savania, Christian Hernandez, both very underrated prospects, both picked up wins. For me, the standout was Dave Apolinario. He's such a fantastic young fighter. Brilliant judge of distance, brilliant puncher, brilliant boxing IQ. He got tested. He went 10 rounds with Adrian Larasan. He shot everything that you need to see in a young prospect. But, of course, he's not the big talking point. He's sort of the guy you shove on a card to get rounds, to impress, without becoming a, becoming a focus this early stage. Yeah, for Apollinario, that was good, though, to get those rounds in because we were looking at this card last week and thinking, okay, there's a lot of mismatches on this bout sheet, but uh, you, you want to go the distance a couple of times. I'm going to get some rounds. Unlike, of course, the star of the show, Carl Yamas Martin, who Martin is so exciting. It's just a shame that his bout only went one round with Yuthashai, a one-along who did not deserve to be in the ring with Martin. Is he is is Martin gonna get any rounds in the future? Because he's looking like a, a bona fide young star with all these knockouts. I think that could be a problem. Uh, Martin needs to go rounds. He needs to show what he can do. Um, but you can see Sandman Promotions and Jerry Penalos Promotions, who work with ESPN Five, perhaps padding his record a little bit to make him into a star. And it'd be a shame if they do do that because he's a talent. He deserves to be tested like Apollinario was. Hey, he's the Wonder Boy. The Wonder Boy, uh, he, he's doing it out there. He's doing it. He's looking so much fun when he's doing it. He has all the tools and the style to become a massive TV star. Anytime you have knockout power, Southpaw kind of reminds you of another Filipino. Yeah, you're well on your way to becoming a star. And again, ESPN5. While there was a lot of mismatches on that card, I still think it showcased a lot of talent, and it, it always just helps when it's free to watch for a lot of people around the world. Yeah, yeah. the one big problem with that card, and you know, we talk about boxers quitting and uh, boxers not giving their all, was Jason Mama's bout with Quan Thai Sith Morsang. 
Sith Marsing quit. Let's be quite frank. He climbed a thumb in the eye early in round three, but he went out. He gave no effort at all in the first two rounds. Jason Mama deserved a better opponent than Quan Thai, who's a Quan Thai's a former world champion, and he put in the effort of a journeyman. That was pathetic by the time. Didn't he raise his hand? He raised his hand, walked away. Like he was like in school or something, like, oh, excuse me. Please, doctor, look at me. It's indefensible. He's a veteran. He's a guy who was very, very talented, but promoters have now got to stop using him. He's been stopped in four of his last six. It, it's just long. time It's time to hang it up. It's time to be fourth in retirement, I'm afraid. He's dropped so many times when he fought Ryoichi Deguchi four years ago that it's amazing promoters are still using him. So those were the weekend cards. Also, yesterday, we had a Japanese card uh, that showcased uh, Ryohei Takahashi, who uh, was coming off of a tough loss to TJ Doheny, although Takahashi showed a lot of heart, and he came back to the ring and got a dub. He got a dub against the former OPF title challenger Jin Wook Lim from Korea. Lim apparently complained about some damage to his ear after the fight, so it seems like he's got a busted eardrum or... Something similar, he retired on his stool after round five. Takahashi, still as crude as ever. Uh, but yeah, he's tough. He's fun to watch. He deserves an easy win, and he got it here. Yeah, Takahashi's like at that, I'm not world level, but I can still make a, a fight messy. And so, you know, if, I've, if I need to be a challenger at the world level, then, then that's okay too. But I'm going to do pretty pretty good domestically. He did state that he wanted to go after the domestic title, so him in that 122-pound mix with Yuseku Kuga and Ryoichi Tamura, I have no problem at all with that. That's going to be... F- There's fun fights out there for him on, uh, on the Japanese domestic level. Bit of a weird rest of the card, huh, Scott? It's so weird. We had Smart like Kakichim, who's lost to Akira Yaigashi and Noye Inoue, up against Naoki Mochizuki. Who was beaten by Junto Nakatani earlier in the year, so that's a that's about it. Just seemed odd. Koki Kamida's cousin, Kinosuke Kamida, fought to a draw in a rookie of the year bout with Ryuga Oshijima, who I was impressed by Oshijima earlier in the year, so this is a good drawn paper for Kamida. But one why the reports are saying that he got a little bit lucky. And then there's Yuma Omine, a former amateur standout, uh, making his debut for the Watanabe gym, taken out in three rounds by a novice, um, a non-punching novice, Kojiro Nishikawa. So that's not the start Omine would have wanted. A couple of uh, bouts, including a Japanese card that's going to showcase a couple of minimum weight fighters for the Japanese uh, minimum weight title, Tanaka making his first defense. Yeah, Norihito Tanaka defending his belt against Noya Haraguchi tomorrow at Korokan Hall in what looks like a weird one on paper, but actually makes a lot of sense. Tanaka uh, won the title earlier this year when he stopped Shinono. Uh, he, uh, he looked really, really, really good in that belt. And now he's fighting Haraguchi, who's got a record of 15 and 10, which... Doesn't suggest a Japanese title challenger, but Haraguchi does hold a very controversial win over Tanaka, and it appears that Tanaka wants to avenge that loss. Minimum weight's always given some good action for Tanaka. Where do you see him if he gets a win? If he gets a win, the rumor is that he could be facing one thing many often in October. 
Oh, he's he's attacking the goat. That's a big mistake. Yeah, yeah. If that comes off, it'd be a a bit of a weird one for Tadaka, who retired a few years ago and came back, suffered a couple of losses on his comeback trail, and now coming up against the goat, it'd be what a career turnaround. Yeah, why not get a world title shot? That's not bad after coming back. So that that should be interesting. We'll have to keep an eye on that. Also on this card, uh, Kito Obara comes back after his loss that was hard for him. I mean, he just kind of got outboxed and beat up over 12 rounds, and I have no idea who he's fighting. It's an Indonesian chap called Yosma Kefi who looked about a foot shorter at the weigh-in. He looked flabby at the weigh-in. He has never picked up a win outside of Indonesia, I don't believe. I think he's been stopped four times that he's fought in Japan previously. He, we shouldn't be in there with Obara. This is just a chance to get Obara an easy win. What has Andy Ruiz taught us, Scott, that even if you look flabby, you still could be a champion? You can still be a champion. <laughs> just fortunately for Ruiz, he can take a shot. Kefi can't. Okay, so we're we're marking down a win for Obara. Also on this card, the debut of Rui Horikawa. Uh, what should we look forward to in Horikawa's debut? Horikawa is or was a fantastic amateur, a genuinely standout fighter on the unpaid ranks. He is Misako Jim's newest young protege. I'd be very, very, very excited for his career going forward. He uh, competed quite a lot on the national scene. I believe he made a mark on the international scene at some point, but I'm not certain on that, though. Given his amateur background, it wouldn't be a surprise. He, he's he been put in with a decent opponent in Jun Ishimoto, but he should, he should take an easy win here. Uh, Artem Delakian, he's going to be fighting this weekend in Kiev, and he'll be making his world boxing Association flyweight title defense. Who's a Delakian going up against? Because I can't pronounce his name. He's up against Denapa Kiatniwa. Yeah, that's what I that's what I thought. As with most ties, they've got a different fighting name to the name listed on box. Just right. has like five different names, and we'll go with one. We'll go with the easiest one to pronounce. His birth name is Sarawut Tharon Kam. But let's be honest. The Napa Kiatniwa is much easier to say. Yeah, I'm pretty sure Delakian doesn't care what his name is. He's probably going to dust this young this youngster. More than likely, although I'll be honest, I think uh, the title actually put up a better effort than Master suggesting. He's a good fighter. His record doesn't show it. His record doesn't show any real competition on there, but the tie isn't a bum. The tie looks very good in footage. He's certainly... On a good roll, having won his last, his last 20. Uh, he lost on debut, and he's reeled off a lot of wins. He's young. He's been training very hard in the Philippines. He's gone over with a lot of confidence. This might not be the mismatch that many are assuming. Assuming he does win this, what's next for him? Is he going to chase a unification, or is it just more of defending his title? You wish he'd. Chase unification. This is his third defense, and whilst it is his second mandatory, it, he hasn't really shown any desire to get out of the Ukraine and face the likes of Tanaka or Mithilana. 
he's not going to take notes from his countrymen who literally are experts at unifying divisions. <laughs> it doesn't seem like his God. last defense against Gregorio LeBron. I think that probably tells you everything you need to know. LeBron wasn't fit to get in the ring with him. And he's not the king. Not that LeBron. That LeBron would have put up a much better effort. <laughs> the thing about the flyweight division is it is a really interesting one. Until perhaps he uh, gets forced to fight someone like Christopher Rosales or Gimel Magramo, we might not see Delakin really show what he can do. Let's hope somebody gets some money up and drags him away from home. Yeah, it's frustrating. A lot of talent there. I want to see the best fights in that flyweight division. Asianboxing.info, Scott and Colin to the Asian Boxing Podcast. And uh, next week, next Wednesday, actually, a week from today, finally we have some action. Kazuto Aoka trying trying to become the first Japanese four-division male, male. I'm not I'm not gonna disrespect the women because they've done it before. First male four division champ um next Wednesday. I don't know why they put this guy on Wednesday. Um, but yeah, Kazuto Ayaka is getting his second chance at the WBO Super Flyweight title as he takes on Aston Palikta in a really good all Asian really good all Asian world title belt. It's Ayaka's skills against Politis, size and power. It's a really, really good matchup. Yeah, why do you put this on a Wednesday? Ioka might make some history here. Palikte is amazing. Kiyoguchi's on this card as well. This should be on a Saturday or a Sunday. Kiyoguchi versus Setan Wonglek CP Freshmart is, again, a fantastic battle. Two unbeaten fighters battling for a super a light flyweight title belt. It's, it's brilliant. Um, even the third title belt, I'm not sure. Mia Yoshida and Casey Martin is a really interesting poem. It's well matched. This should be a full day card. It should be televised live. It should be. Oh, oh it's not going to be televised live? Only the main event will be televised live. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, that's something. Better than better than tape delay. But yeah, it would be nice if the entire card was was on live TV. And just going on with that, it's live, but only through a very weird online service only available in Japan. Uh, it's a peer service, so <laughs> nobody outside of Japan can watch the Kayagushi versus Nakun Belt live, which is an absolute shame. That's potentially so much better than the main event. They're both very, very, very exciting, talented youngsters, and that might be one of the best parts this month. Well, thanks. We appreciate it, Japan, for not letting us watch this fight. We really do. Thank you, TBS. Back to the main event. <laughs> Ayaka versus Polikta, it's fantastic. Both men, of course, came up short against Don Nietes last year. Um, both are looking to win the title that Nietes vacated. By the way, where is, is where is Nietes? Where where has he been? Nietes vacated the title, claiming that he was chasing a legacy-defining fight earlier this year, but that hasn't seemingly happened yet. The rumor is that he's after either Juan Francisco Estrada Shrisketsar, Rungvisai, or Roman Gonzalez. So let's hope one of those three get made. Who wins between Ioka and Polite? I'm leaning Ioka. I think Ioka's body shots will slow Polite down, and he'll then take a clear but very competitive decision. And then maybe make some Japanese history on the male side. Maybe. There is 
some really interesting belts. No matter who wins, there's some really interesting belts out there. But I think Ayoka versus Yaigashi 2 would be fantastic. Or Ayoka versus Kose Tanaka, who's... Oh, yes, please. ...hinted that he will move up if Ayoka wins. Yeah. Yeah, they're probably the better matchups than if Palictor wins, if I'm being quite frank. Any uh, upcoming news that we have? What, what's on the grapevine for Asian boxing? There's not really been all that much recently, which is a bit of a shame, but there are some bits and bobs hovering around. Lee Gonte and Mikito Nakano have both been confirmed for a July 6th appearance on the same card as Kenichi Ogawa versus Azinga Fuzil, who uh, will be fighting an IBF eliminator at Super, super Featherweight. So Nakano and Lee are fantastic prospects. Another uh, Taken prospect is Shakichi Iwata, who will be on the Ryota Murata undercard on July 12th. So there's a lot of Taken prospects in action in July. Juki Tatsuyoshi will return in July as well. And Yusuke Mina, a, a stellar amateur, will make his debut on the Tatsuyoshi card, which I believe is on July 26th in Osaka. So a lot of young talent kind of making noise this week in terms of uh scheduling fights yeah there's a lot of young talent um it does seem like perhaps the youngsters are going to start taking over in july because i believe Tsuyoshi sato fights uh, against rikito shiba in mid-july as well in that is man what a fight that's going to be awesome so a lot in july coming our way uh for asian boxing just not a lot in June. Uh, other than the Ayaka card, I think the one standout bout to convert in the month is a WBA female super featherweight title defense for Yunmi Shoy. And let's be honest, most people don't have a big interest in female boxing, despite how good Choi's story is. Yeah, why is that? Why, why don't people uh, like female boxing? You tell me. <laughs> I'm going to assume it's due to the mismatches that people have seen too often, but recently Delphine Pursuit versus Katie Taylor should start to convince fans that female boxing can be tremendous when they have the good matchups. The Asian Boxing Podcast, Scott and Colin, thank you so much for joining us. Remember to like our Twitter page, Asian Boxing. Also, just go to the website, asianboxing.info. Videos, news, notes, the podcast, all on the site. We'll talk to you next week. Have a great one. Make sure to get ready for Ioka making history next Wednesday.